Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. Philippians is all the way over on the right-hand side, real small book, and um, we left off in chapter 2, so we're kind of clunking along, going four or five verses at a, at a week, and um, what, what he's talking about in this passage, which I think if, if we'll lean into, and, and if, if you'll just kind of put all the worries of this coming week, and all the worries of this past week, and all the to-do things, kind of get that out of your mind for just a little bit, just forget about all the things you have to worry about and focus on what we're talking about, I, I think we can all glean something from this. And I think if, if we'd lean into this, if we'd apply ourselves and learn from this, it'll just make life a lot better for all of us. It makes life a lot better for you. It makes life a lot better for the person you're sitting next to. It makes life a lot better for the, for the fact that, that you're sitting next to that person, you have to get along with that person, we're in a church. And uh, it, ju- it just makes church so much more enjoyable. You know, going to a local church, being part of a local church, isn't complicated. And it shouldn't be hard, and it shouldn't be frustrating, and it shouldn't be, ugh, I just can't stand it. Um, something's wrong if that's your feeling about a church. And, and I'm thankful this church is very unified, and we have a good spirit. But, but going to church just isn't complicated. It's just not hard. You know, you show up, uh, be friendly, show God's love to people, have a Bible study, sing some songs, and you go home. I mean, <laughs> but, um, but trust me, through the years, sometimes people have made going to church just really complicated. And the Bible just says it's just not that hard. It just, it's a pretty cool thing. And uh, God, uh, God designed the local church. He calls this his bride. So if he's in love with this, you ought to be in love with it. And if you're not in love with the local church, uh, your priorities are wrong because God's in love with the local church. And what he's in love with, what his priorities are, ought to be our priorities. So Philippians chapter 2, I tell you what, let's back up a little bit. Let's start off in verse 9 uh, real fast just to show you where we're at. Um, he says this, he says, Wherefore God also has highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name, verse 10, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth, things under the earth, verse 11, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So he's talking about, in context, unity in the local church, and, and he's kind of giving this real lofty thing about God's sovereignty of the fact that uh, uh, Jesus is going to be exalted right, one day, and although he was down on earth, and although he lived in a human form, although he was crucified in the cross, uh, God's the one that takes care of that. And, and in the same token, like we talked about last week, our payday is someday. Just like Jesus, you know, we're supposed to put on the mind of Christ. Just like Jesus, you know, we're, we, don't, we don't get paid for serving Jesus today. You know, the pat on the back isn't today. Don't look for a pat on the back. Don't look for recognition when you serve, uh, serve God or hand out a gospel track. Payday is someday. Payday is not now. But someday, God will reward us for what we've done when we're in eternity uh, in heaven. So, go down to verse 12. Chapter 2, verse 12. This is where we're going to pick up. This is the next verse, okay? The next verse, the first word is wherefore. I'm just going to pause there just for a second. I want to teach you something. This is how I've learned it. Whenever you see the word wherefore, okay, you see the word wherefore, you see that lot in the Bible. It's an old English word that we don't use much, but wherefore. This is what I ask myself. Wherefore, is it therefore? It kind of rhymes, kind of easy. So whenever you see this word, wherefore, a comma, and then he explains something, 
he put this here, okay, because there's something above it that, that he's finishing the thought on. So he just gave us all that stuff about, about uh, Jesus being highly exalted by God, all the stuff about unity in the church, living together, you know, uh, in meekness and humility and, and, and being part of a family. And then he says, wherefore, or because of this, you know, because of that, because what he said in those verses, every knee will bow in heaven, every tongue will confess. Don't forget, church, <laughs> Someday we will stand before our Heavenly Father. All things will be made public. Okay? You will bow down before our Heavenly Father. You will confess Him as Lord. And He says, because of that, therefore, because of this, because someday you are going to be in heaven, someday you are going to uh, acknowledge Jesus as Lord, the whole world will. He says this, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So the wherefore kind of connects what he's talking about, the sovereignty of Christ, to, to, to what we're supposed to do in the present, and that's obedience. And yes, Paul is telling us to obey. Paul is telling us, here's things you should do. Uh, and this is the way you should live. Now listen, church. If we'll lean in on this, and I mean this, and if we just start to, to really apply what he said the last few verses and what he's going to say in these verses, this is a to-do list. These are things that we're supposed to be doing, okay? These are standards of Christian behavior that we should have. <laughs> Pastor, can a church have standards? Yes, Christians, we ought to have standards. Christians, we ought to be different than the world. Standards do not make you spiritual, okay? So standards don't make you spiritual. So pastor, what's a standard? So just, just so we're clear, um, we have standards in the Bible, but we also have some standards that aren't in the Bible, and we can have those. <gasps> really? Yes. For instance, our church service starts at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. That's a standard that we have. We don't have a verse for it. It's not in the Bible. It's not a commandment of God. It's just the time we start church, okay? We don't start it at 20 after 11. We don't start at 20 till 11. We just start at 11, uh, no shoes, no shirt, no service, okay? That's a standard here as well. Why? Because it's safe, okay? You know, uh, uh, no lighting off fireworks in the auditorium, right? It's just a standard that we have, all right? But, but it's okay to have standards like that. But, but I've had people, oh, you know, legalism. Hey, listen, standards don't make you spiritual. Listen to me, church. Listen and get this. But spiritual people have standards. There's no way around it. There's no way around. And I've had people say to me, you know, oh, you know, church has got standards. You know, they're legalists. Can I just say this? I've been in the ministry a long time. <laughs> I've worked with children. I've had the front row seat to families I've, 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 since, since forever, right? I've, I've been in the ministry. And, and it seems like the parents with the kids that complain about legalism, you have standards, their kids turn out to be the worst than any kids I've ever known. They're the, they're the disaster, the second, the second generation Christian kids that are the worst. Church, parents, it's okay to have standards. There's nothing wrong about that. Don't, don't get that in your mind. And, and Paul's going to kind of give us some things here, and, and we should have it. Okay, it's not legalism. You have to have boundaries, okay? It's helpful for us. Look at verse 13. For as God works in you, both to will and do his good pleasure, do all things without murmurings and disputings legalism, no, common sense, <laughs> verse 15, that you may be blameless, harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, 
among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So Paul really makes this really practical here, okay? And, and he says, listen, this doctrine that I'm teaching you ought to influence you, okay? There should be action behind what you believe, and is what he's talking about here. I'm telling you some things. I'm giving you some things. You believe these things. It ought to influence you. Write this down in your notes. Right doctrine leads to right practice. Right doctrine leads to right practice. I heard a pastor, my friend of mine, say that one time. I thought it was wonderful. So what does that mean? That means this, church. We have, we have a lot of things we believe in the Bible, of course. One of the doctrines that I strongly believe in is, is, is the teaching and the doctrine that there is an eternal hell. I, people don't like to talk about that anymore, and a lot of churches have gotten rid of that because it's not popular. It doesn't fill your church when you talk about hell. But the reality is there is an eternal hell for those who have not accepted Christ as Savior. Church, listen for a moment. The doctrine is that there is an eternal hell. How does that influence me? What is the action? What is the behavior that that should bring out of me? How should I act? If I believe that there really is an eternal hell for those people who have not accepted Christ as Savior, church, how should that influence me? How? Think for a moment. Think. How should it influence me? Well, it ought to influence me by what? By me going out and being a soul winner, right? The fact that the Bible talks about and it's a taught about and I believe it that there is an eternal hell, the, the reflection on me, the action I should have is I should be a soul winner. It would be a hypocrite to say, yeah, I believe in hell, but you never share your faith. You, I mean, do you really believe in hell? If you really believe there's a hell, there wouldn't be a problem signing up to help in the fair, which I tell you what, it's coming up in two weeks. I'm very excited about doing the fair. I want you to sign up. I want you to go with me. Some of you can help me. I, I, I need help, too. I'd like you to sit with me. If you've never done it before, I'll do it with you. But why do we do the fair? Because we're bored. No. Because we like the hottest week of the summer to sit at a fair. No. Because we like hearing music from the Grateful Dead. No. Because we like people spilling beer on us. No. <laughs> because I believe in eternal hell. That's why we do the fair. And that's why you should do it too. Because I want to be a soul winner. But it's not enough just to mentally believe in it. We've got to act on it. You know, uh, think about this. Think. Let's just think for a minute. Uh, this pastor that gave me that quote told me the story too. He said this. He said, imagine... Let's all just imagine for a minute. Imagine you're sleeping at nighttime, and you wake up, and you, you, have, you smell smoke, okay? I smell smoke, okay? You get up out of your bed, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, smoke. You open up the door into your living room, and it's filled with smoke, okay? You have a belief. Your belief is that there's smoke in the room, and I can smell it, and I can see it. Okay, what, what are you thinking? What, what's happening? What, what, what are you assuming? What's the conclusion that you're coming to? Well, well, my conclusion is that my wife's smoking again. <laughs> Chain smoking. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm just kidding. No, someone said, your house is on fire. Okay, the belief is that my house is on fire. What's the action that you take? Oh, I'm just going to go back to bed. No. Say it. What do you do, church? Get out of the house, right? Yeah, because that's your belief. You believe that. You have a conclusion of that. You, you, you act on it. You get out of the house. And that's exactly what he's saying here. He's saying, listen. The fact that you believe in light of eternity, you will stand before your heavenly Father. The action should be, this is how you should be living. This is what you ought to be doing. This is what you, you should be thinking. You ought to be practicing obedience. Let's go back to this verse and we're going to look at it. There's a lifestyle, there's a way you should be living because someday you will be standing before your heavenly Father. 
There's smoke in the living room. There's smoke in the bedroom. There's smoke in the kitchen. Get out of the house. You're going to stand before your heavenly Father. All your deeds are going to be made known. You will confess him as Lord. Then be obedient while you're down here on earth. So, so let's, let's just kind of let's skip down here and let's take a look at some of these things. Uh, uh, um, let's tell you what. Let's go to, well, let's go back to the verse. Just right, right back to the verse. Let me, let me find it. I kind of lost it here. Um, whoops, my notes. All right. Verse 12. So wherefore, my beloved brethren, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. That's kind of an interesting phrase there. Not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. So now think about that. He's saying, he's saying this is something that I do. This is some things that you can think about, but not just because I'm here, but now much more in my absence. So he says, church, don't obey just when I'm around you. You need to be obeying when I'm not around you. Um, when we obey, now think, when we're obedient because someone's around us, that's called accountability, all right? Kids in school, you obey when the teacher's teaching. Why? Because there's accountability. Accountability is good. We encourage one another. We warn one another. We exhort one another. Accountability is a good thing. We see some falling. We see someone stumbling. We help them. Hey, haven't seen you in church for a while. Hey, haven't seen you in Friday night. There's accountability by the fact that we're present. That's a good thing. But he says, not just when I'm here, because the pressure, the reason you may be doing it is because I'm here. Let me, let me give an inside, inside thing here. As the pastor of this church, my presence, I, I'm not, this is nothing with me, it's just the way it is. My presence as the pastor of the church does bring some accountability to people. Um, not that I'm anything special, it's just my office that I hold. For instance, I, I, we have a Christian school here, I love the Christian school, and and all the kids will be, you know, they'll be in the, the cafe there having lunch or like that, and they're all goofing off and, and stuff. And I walk in the cafe during lunch. Just walk in. I'm smiling. Just walk in. Everything changes. The conversation went from talking about, you know, the football team or the baseball team to what their favorite memory verse is. You know, it's just, <laughs> well, I just, my favorite verse is John 3.16. Really? Yeah. And, and instead of slouching, you know, they're all sitting back, you know, eating their lunch. Pastor Dan walks in the room, sit up, and you know what I'm saying? And, and the, whole, the whole demeanor, the whole attitude changes, the conversation changes. Pastor, good to see you, preacher. You know, you're like, oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and that's just the way it is. My presence brings some accountability, and that's okay. I see that with our staff. That's okay. I see that in the church. That's normal. It's expected. That, that there's nothing wrong with that. But in verse 12, he says, okay, you, you're obedient when I'm here, because I'm here, there's accountability. But he says, I want you to do it when I'm gone. Okay, now church, when someone's around you, when your boss is with you at work, that's called accountability. When you're, when you're doing your job and the boss is not around you, listen, that's called character. Genuine character does the job when there's no accountability. Okay? When, when you're not with the boss, when you're not with the pastor, uh, then, then you have genuine character. And so the motive for obedience is usually is when, when, when authority is around, when Paul's around, but genuine character says, I'm going to do it even when there's no one around. And this is truly genuine spiritual growth. Listen, abiding by the rules because the principal is there or the pastor is there is not really spiritual growth. That's just that you've learned to abide by the rules when authority is around. That's all it is. 
But true spiritual growth is when you abide by the rules and you have standards when no one else is around, when no one's watching. And, 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 and the idea is that, that he's saying, <clears throat> someday you will be in heaven. Someday you will give an account. Genuine character says, you know what? I'm going to do what's right today because I know someday I'm going to stand before my heavenly father. I'm not just doing right today because Paul's looking over my shoulder or I'm in church or I'm in Christian school. I'm doing right because it's the right thing to do, because of my heavenly father. Someday I will give an account for this. Someday I'll have to do that. And guys, listen, my parents, let me just talk about this for a minute. <clears throat> parents, don't. This is, this is child raising 101. Don't. I'm begging you, please, don't. Don't ever tell your kids. Don't ever tell your kids. Don't tell the pastor. Don't do that. Don't make sure Pastor Tanny and the principal of the school doesn't find out. Don't. Don't, you don't do that. You are ruining your kids. Why, Pastor? Here's why. Parents, if you teach your children to lie to the authority in this church, guess who they're going to lie to next? You. And they're going to be the ones that are going to run off with their boyfriend or run off with the girlfriend, and they're not going to think anything about it or start doing drugs or start cheating or whatever they're going to do. They're, they're going to cheat. Why? Because you taught them to do it for the wrong reasons. Well, don't tell the pastor. Don't do that for your sake. Just don't do it. Right? If to me, it's creepy. If you've got to do something and the first thing you tell your kid is, don't let anyone at the church know, that, that's just creepy. All right? That's wrong. All right? Just don't do that. They will do it to you. And then you're going to come knocking at my door for counseling. Pastor, I can't believe my kids do it. I'm going to sit there and say, well, doesn't surprise me. You've been doing it to me all these years. I mean, what's the difference? This is what I expected your kid to, you know, run off or like that. So don't, don't do that. Don't be like that. You know, it just, it just, it's, you may obey because of accountability. Listen, that's called an immature Christian. I only obey when someone's watching me. I will do the work at my job because my, my boss is watching me. That's called immaturity. That's just what it's called. Because I'll only do it because someone's watching me. True spiritual growth is when you say, you know what? I'm going to do what's right because I have character. And I know I'm doing it for my heavenly father. Not just because someone's looking. Not just because someone's watching. But because I know that someday I'm going to stand before my heavenly father. And I want to be known as the person doing the right thing. I'm doing it for my heavenly father. Genuine character. So accountability is good. Look at this. Accountability is good. But genuine character is what's better. Okay? Accountability is good. But genuine character is always better. It's just always better to have a true Christian character. You're not waiting for someone just to be around. And look at the last part of verse 12. Look at this. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, you have to make note of this. This verse has got so much to it, we could spend all day on it, but we're not going to. Notice what he says, because I've had people say that. Oh, see, you have to work to get saved. Church, read the verse. It does not say, it does not say, work for your salvation. It doesn't say it. It says, work out your salvation. So you don't ever work to get saved, but now that you're saved, it's time to grow up. You work out. You live out your Christianity. You live out the fact that you're saved. You take spirituality uh, and the responsibility for your spiritual growth personal. I am going to grow as a Christian. It's personal. I, I'm not working to be saved. I'm growing as a Christian because I'm saved. Now, now let me make something else really clear on this too. I want you to understand this. This is, just, this is practical Sunday, all right? I want you to understand this. Church, you are responsible for your own spiritual growth. Do you understand that? Do you get that? 
You are responsible for you. Wives, you are not responsible for your husband's spiritual growth. You're not. Husbands, you are not responsible for your wife's spiritual growth. You're not. You are responsible for your spiritual growth. I'm not responsible for your spiritual growth. I will feed you. I will, I will try to put stuff out in front of you. I hope that, that this stuff is helpful. You read your Bible. You pray. But it's your responsibility to work out or to grow or to mature, to work out, to grow up your spiritual life. Okay? No one can force you to it. We have a wonderful Christian school. I love our Christian school. I love it. I, I'll always brag on it. I think it's the greatest thing in the whole world. I just I think it's the best. I just, I'm convinced. I cannot make any of those kids be spiritual. Just because the fact that we sit, have them come to our school and, and, and they do a pledge in the morning, they memorize a memory verse, doesn't make anyone spiritually uh, grow spiritually. They have to do it. We're, we're providing food. We're providing an environment. But they have to do it on their own. It's something they have to grow on their own. I, I, had, I remember when we started the church. I won't mention the name, but it was about 500 years ago. No one knows who I'm talking about. But, but there, there was a person that said, well, I'm just not getting fed at this church. This lady said this. And I just said, well, I don't know what to say. Sorry. I'm serving the table every Sunday. I'm putting food out in front of you. It's not my fault that you're on your phone the whole time not paying attention. You know, there's nothing to do with it. Church, listen. Anytime this book is opened, you can get fed. Amen, church? Don't, don't ever say, I'm not getting fed. Whose fault is it when you go to the dinner table and you're not eating? Whose fault is it? Is it your parents' fault? Is it the, the, the waiter's fault or the waitress's fault? No. You could sit at a dinner table and not eat. It's no one else's fault but whose? But yours. Well, I'm just not getting fed. Church, listen. It could be the worst preacher around. Now, just think for a minute. Who's the worst preacher you've ever known? Now, don't, don't say my name. Now, come on, church. <laughs> don't, don't even think. It doesn't matter who the preacher is. It could be the worst preacher, the worst communicator. It could be someone that just stutters and stammers and, and you can barely understand. It doesn't matter who it is. The fact that they're opening up this book, you ought to be able to get fed. You grow up. It's your responsibility, church. If you're not getting fed, don't blame anybody but you. It, it's your fault. And, and that's what he's saying here. He said, you, you're responsible for you. You work out your salvation. You, you, you work it out. You grow up. You have spiritual growth. Listen, church, the pastor's got to take care of his own spiritual growth, too, okay? It doesn't come automatic. Well, you're a pastor. No, it does. I, I got things I got to deal with. I got emotions. I got frustrations. I got hard times, just like anybody else here in this room does. And I am responsible for my spiritual growth. You're responsible for your spiritual growth. And you've got to be mature enough to recognize areas that you have to work on. You know, you, the, the big thing nowadays for employment is called... Um, Emotional intelligence. Have you heard that phrase, emotional intelligence? So what is emotional intelligence? I'm just going to give you psychology 101, what emotional intelligence is. Here's what emotional intelligence is. It, it, it's you coming home and your neighbor has a brand new lawnmower. And you're sitting over there going, wow, I wish I had a nice lawnmower. I don't have a nice lawnmower. How come I don't have a nice lawnmower? You know, that neighbor, he doesn't deserve that. I deserve the nice lawnmower. And so emotional intelligence is this. You recognizing I'm jealous right now. I'm envious. I'm having a bad attitude. That's emotional intelligence, the fact that I could recognize what my feelings are, why I'm bothered that my, my neighbor has a new lawnmower. Emotional intelligence is to say, okay, I'm jealous. Well, what do I do with jealousy? I'm envious. What do I do with envy? You know, I have a bad attitude. How do I treat? And, and you're able to kind of uh, fix the problem in the sense that you realize that there's a problem. That's emotional intelligence. We ought to have spiritual intelligence. I, I'm, I'm jealous right now. I'm envious right now. I'm upset. I'm bitter. I'm aware of these spiritual emotions that I'm having, these lack of spiritual emotions that I'm having. 
And what's the biblical solution? What do I do? That's having that. This is what he's saying. You have weakness. I have weakness. We all have weakness. We all have a long way to go. Work it out. Grow up. Church, he's talking to a church. Grow up. That's what he's saying. Work it out. Grow And look what he says. With fear and trembling. What does he mean by fear and trembling? Well, when we get down to verse 15, he says, you're going to be a shine as the light of the world, okay? Your spiritual growth is in, uh, affecting and impacting other people with humility, with fear, with trembling. You're growing. Why? Because you're influencing other people. Church, you realize that we're all influencing other people, right? And, and if you don't obey, if you don't study, if you don't grow, you may miss the opportunities to minister to other people. Parents, it's important that your children learn to obey and that they grow up correctly. Why? Because they're influencing other people. Those of you on staff, I say this all the time when we have our staff meetings. I expect more from the staff parents. I do. Why? Because if your kids turn out bad and they get you out of the ministry, that's not helping anybody. All right? If people come to church and they say, well, the pastor's kids or the, you know, the staff member's kids, they're the worst brats in the whole wide world. It's not helping. It's causing people to stumble. So, yeah, I, I do expect more from our staff because I expect them to take this seriously. I expect, I expect all of us as Christians, and, yeah, our kids have times and we want to put them up for adoption, get rid of them. I get all that. I understand. It happens to me about every week. I understand that. But the point is this, is, is we're working out, we're growing, we're maturing, we're taking responsibility. Why? in trembling and fear because other people are being influenced by what I do. And it's a big thing. Look at verse 13. For it's God that works in you both to will, underline that, to will, and to do his good pleasure. Underline the words good pleasure. So God, it says, it says God works in you to will, which means kind of like to want to. God places in my heart the want to to grow up. Let, let's pause and let's talk about that for a minute. Let's just think. Church, have you ever been at a point in your life where you're frustrated with where you are spiritually, and you just say, I want to just get over this. You ever had that? I got a bad attitude, or I'm struggling with this addiction, and I just want to get past this. Okay, when God puts that want in you, that's, that's what this verse is talking about. God's working to will, to want to. He's, he's putting within you the want to to grow up, to develop spiritually. He's working in you. You're not just doing it because you have to. You're not just doing it because your boss is looking. There, there's, there's an aspiration to, to do better. The, the belief, the, the understanding that there's a possibility of change in my life. I aspire to do better. That's from God. God's, God's put it in my heart, I want to grow. Do you ever sit through a church service and you're just like, man, that was good. I, I need to work on that. Boy, that's just convicting me. That's good. Church, it's good when we get our toes stepped on. What does that mean? Think, 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 think. If we all came to church and we never got our toes stepped on, what does that mean? We all think that what? We've arrived. We have nowhere to grow. I'm perfect. I'm just the way it's supposed to be. I have nowhere in my life to, to grow. I would hate going to a church like that if I just like, well, I guess I'm pretty good. Shoot. You know? That, no. I want to come to a church where I'm challenged to grow, where I need to work on this, or, or my toes get stepped on. Good. That means God's still working in you to will and to do his good pleasure. God's convicting you. He's challenging you. He's trying to get you to grow up, develop spiritually. That's healthy. That's normal as a Christian. When you get your toes stepped on at church and say, well, pastor really stepped on my toes today. Good. Take it from God that God used pastor to step on your toes. That's to the will and his good pleasure. I'm trying to help you grow up, and I had to use that knucklehead, Dan Rehoff, to do it. It's pretty bad if God just has to use me to do it. But, but that's how God works. That's why we're together as a church. And to do his good pleasure. 
God working in us, not us working in us, but God. The Bible says God begun a good work in you and he'll perform it in the day of Christ. That's good. Come to church, I want to get convicted. I want to grow up. And, 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 and I look forward to coming to church. I look forward to going to family camp. Those of you that are going to family camp, we've got a really good crowd going. Um, church, if there's any way you could go to family camp, I want you to go. Okay, well, I don't have a family. Great, you have a family. You're sitting right here with your whole family right now. This is Dayspring Church family, okay? If you say, well, I don't have the money for it, just come talk to me. Money is not the reason we're doing this, okay? We, lo- we, lose, we lose an awful lot of money because we subsidize the camp. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. The more people I have, the more money we lose. So I don't know, <laughs> why, why am I inviting you to camp? I have no idea. But, but I want you to go, but one of my favorite things about camp is this. I love to sit there and hear the preaching and be convicted and challenged to grow. For God working the will and the good pleasure in Dan Rehoff's life, I need it too. And it's wonderful. I don't do the morning devos because i got to be challenged too. I want to grow too. And, and I want to go to camp because I want to get convicted. There's things in my life I want to work on. I want to be challenged. You need to go to camp where you get the preaching every day and, and, and so much of it. And you got the cell phone put away and you're out in God's beautiful creation. And you get a chance just to recharge and say, God, work in my life this week. You know, that, that to me is that's worth every stinking penny you pay for the thing. You know, just God, here's a chance for us to do this, you know. It, it's God that works in us. Look at verse 14. So therefore, therefore, because it's God that's working in you, therefore, do all things without murmuring and disputing. All right, church, I'm going to read it again, then I want a hearty amen at the end. All right, here we go. Ready? Do all things without murmuring and disputing. Amen. Do you notice that it says the word all? Can I get an amen? amen. It doesn't say some, church. It says how many things? All things, even the things you don't want to do. Well, I just sent my kid that at Christian school, and they didn't get to do X, Y, Z, one, two, three. What's disputing? Disputing is, can you believe that they didn't pick me to, I don't know, whatever we do here, do something. They didn't pick me to do something. <laughs> I don't know what you can do. You know, uh, they didn't, you know, Pastor Tanny didn't let me, you know, use the drill upstairs. I can't believe Pastor Tanny wouldn't let me use the drill. That's called disputing. Can you believe it? You know, I can't believe it. I'm put on Facebook. <laughs> That's disputing. Do all things. Serving in your local church going to the 4th of July parade, going to a picnic, going to someone's house, sharing a gospel track, whatever it is, do it without murmuring, do it without disputing. Have your kid in the program at church without murmuring. Help out when you can without murmuring, not disputing. Have your kid in the Christian school without murmuring. Why should we do this? Look at verse 15, that you may be blameless and harmless, the son of God, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked, take your pen and underline those words, a crooked and a perverse nation. A crooked and perverse nation. Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> the verse says, you're spo- Christians, we're supposed to be blameless. We're supposed to be harmless. We're not the ones out there starting riots. We're not. We're not the ones out there, you know, protesting in, in a bad manner, right? Yeah, someday we have to protest, whatever. But you're not the one that, that's causing blame. That's not us as Christians. Your lifestyle should be blameless in that area. We should be, blameless is kind of the overarching of our life. It should be blameless. doesn't mean we're perfect. Why? Because we're God's children. We're God's children. And why? Because we live in the middle of a crooked and perverse nation. <laughs> when I think of crooked, the first thing I think about is, <laughs> is, is the East Coast. I, I think about the White House. <laughs> and that's Republicans and Democrats. Amen? The, I don't care who you are. I think about politics. So that's the East Coast. When I think about perverse, I think about the West Coast. I think about Hollywood. I think about all the junk that comes, all the, all the junk that has literally polluted our entire world comes out of that state. I'm, I'm sorry, it's filthy. And yet, we'll, we'll, we'll pay to see it. Well, you know, I got my streaming account or my Netflix account or whatever it is. 
and we're funding it. And he says, you live in a crooked and a perverse nation. You better be the light to the world. You better be the example. You better grow up. You better be the one that people are looking to. Church, that's why Christians should have a different lifestyle. We ought to dress different. We ought to act different. Our, 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 listen, church, your entertainment choices better be different than the world. I got to see this latest movie. I got to see it. No, you don't. But so and so, that actor, whoever it is that I love, they're in it. Ah, oh, I got to see it. No, you don't. Where, where does it say you have to see it? I'm just being honest. Where does it say it? But I just, it's part of the trilogy. I got to see the third one. No, you don't. What, why? What, why? Who tells you that? I guarantee you who tells you it. It's either someone on the East Coast or it's someone on the West Coast. It's someone that's crooked or perverse that's telling you you have to do it. Um, I had someone tell me the other day, and I don't, I don't have it, but they had a Netflix account. They said, I finally had to get rid of my Netflix account, Pastor. And I was like, praise the Lord. I said, why? There's nothing there to watch. Church, maybe it's time some of us to grow up on some of these areas. I just, why? Why am I doing this? Well, because everyone says I need to do it. Well, listen, if you turn off Facebook and you stop watching it, no one's going to tell you you have to watch it, except for the people that are on the East Coast and the people on the West Coast. You need to watch it. But otherwise, no one tells me to watch it. Ask me what the latest movie is. and late, I don't even know. I, I could give a rip. I just don't care. I just don't have time for it. I just, it doesn't consume me. But with the latest album, the latest playlist on Spotify, you've got to have it. Why? Who said you have to have it? Well, someone that lives on the West Coast told me I've got to listen to it. Why? You live in a crooked and perverse nation Paul says, you need to be a light of the world, not a follower. What does a light do? A light leads people. If I was walking down a trail, I had a flashlight, I'm a leader. Hey, this is the way God wants us to live. This is the way you know, we should act. This is what we should think about these kind of issues. This, the, the light is a leader. It shows people the right way. We're not the people that are going in the back, hiding in the back of the line, cowering and fearful. We ought to be the leaders. We ought to be the lights. We ought to be the ones that are giving direction. We ought to be the ones that are giving confidence. We ought to be the ones that are giving security. We ought to be the ones that are giving hope. When your neighbors, when your cousins, when your coworkers see you, they should see someone that is a person that is a person of faith, not a person that is living in fear. That's what they ought to see. They shouldn't see you running around scared. There's a communist behind every corner. Listen, there probably is a communist behind every rock. There probably is. Great. You're supposed to still be a light in a crooked and perverse nation. Go out there and, and, and give people the gospel. But, Pastor... There's conspiracy theories everywhere. Yeah, okay, great. Oh, what are you going to do about it? Okay, great. Your job is still to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen, church? Okay. Well, I'm just going to, you know, look. listen. <laughs> We're never getting done today. That's what I'm telling you right now. <laughs> he gave us the book of Revelation, church. He gave us the book of Revelation talking about the rapture, which is the blessed hope. Listen, I wouldn't go to a church that wouldn't talk about the rapture. Ask the preacher, will you talk about the rapture? Will you talk about the And they say they won't. I wouldn't go there. It's called the blessed hope. We're supposed to talk about it and study it. Why? So we go and be fearful and we hide in a cave? No. So you go be a light of the world and you give the world the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming again. Amen, church? And my job is to tell you that, and that's what all of our job is as Christians, to be a light in the darkness. That's why he gave us the book of Revelation. Not to go and be a conspiracy theorist and not to go hide in a cave and not to go, you know, be, be someone that lives off grid. No, I didn't give you this to scare you to death. I gave you it to scare the lost, to get them saved. That's why I, I want them to know what's going to happen in the future. 
We're to be leaders in this. Okay, we're out of time. Bottom line is this. Church, we're going to give an account. Therefore, grow up. Take responsibility for your spiritual life. Don't go through life mumbling. But you shine as a light of the world. Why? Because you are a child of the king. Are those pretty good marching orders? Praise the Lord. Whoa. It's pretty serious. Is there standards as a Christian? Absolutely. Time to grow up, church. Put on big boy pants and let's do it. All right? That's what he's saying. Be that person that's, that's not leading. We ought to be spiritual leaders. We ought to be changing our world instead of running away from it, scared from it, condemning it all the time. Let's go make a difference. Let's influence people. Let's get them saved. And why don't you be part of the fair coming up in a couple weeks? But pastor, it's a dark place. It is a dark place. But pastor, they're playing awful music there. You better believe it. Pastor, they got some of the biggest names playing there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Are you serious? Yeah, because those big names are bringing you more people. Right? If they had some stupid little band playing, no one would show up at that place, and it would be a waste of our time. I'm glad they have the biggest names playing. I really am. That means 40,000 people are going to have to go right in front of our tent. Praise God. Right? God, God will use the, the wickedness of the, of the world to help us give the gospel. Okay? We're, we're, using, we're using that in God's favor. That's just an awesome, awesome thing. You need to be part of it. You need to sign up. Well, I can't do it. Well, you can do it for an hour. You have an hour. Turn off the TV. You've got an hour. You know, you're probably about five hours if we do that, all right? Crooked and perverse nation. We're going to go and we're going to tell the people in Waukesha in a couple weeks, do the best that we can. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Isn't that just the good news of the gospel? That's it. Aren't you glad you don't have to turn from your sin to get saved? Aren't you glad you don't have to repent of all the bad things you've ever done? Do you even know the bad things you've ever done? You don't know them. I don't know the bad things I've done. There's no way in the world. It's realizing that, God, I'm a sinner. God, I can't pay for it. But Jesus, you paid it. And we finally understand, we finally believe that it's not what I've done, it's what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. God, I'm a sinner. I can't pay it, but Jesus paid it for me. I'm accepting what Jesus did, period. That's the moment we become a Christian. When we finally stop relying on us to do the work, and we finally put it in God's hand. God, you did the work. God so loved the world that you did the work. You died on the cross, Jesus, to pay my debt. I believe that. That is understanding the good news of the gospel, okay? It's as simple as that. Don't make it any more complicated because Jesus didn't. That's it. Because listen, I'll go to bed tonight with total peace because I know if I were to die tonight, I know exactly where I'm going. In a, in a moment, I'm in heaven. Not because I'm a preacher, not because I'm good, because I'm not good, but I'm forgiven. I fully put my trust in the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross. He paid my sin debt. And if you go to bed tonight and you're sitting there wondering, man, I wonder where I'd go. Would I go back to the grave? Would I go back to a clump of dirt? What's that feel like? Is there a hell? Is there a heaven? And if you don't know where you're going, you need to get that right. You need to put your trust in the fact that Jesus Christ paid your debt for you so you don't have to. You've got to get that right because you know what? We've got one life to live, okay? And it's going to be over. And some of you, some of you may not make it till next week. I may not make it till next week. Some of you could go out of here and die tonight. Our good friends up at Falls Baptist, watching the fireworks, watching the fireworks, and one person dies last week. Awful, terrible tragedy. I, I, it blows my mind. Not doing anything wrong, hit by a car. Probably didn't even see it coming. Church, that could be you tonight. I mean, it could be, it could be me tonight. Do you know for certain where you're going when you die? Have you ever settled that with Jesus Christ? You need to do that right now. We are 
very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262-404-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.